ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Hey everybody, it's Leonard Duncan here and I have a special guest for you today. Um, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, all over the scenes. Oh, and it was ATV scene. So George Davis, how are you, brother? I'm great, Lenny. It's good to good to see you and good to talk to you. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Uh, it's been a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, since I think the last time, the last time I saw you, I think you were the the year that Spader won the title. What was that? 2000, 2000 or 1999, and uh, you know, Lauren was coming out every time, and I think you came out once or something or yep. a couple times. I think that's the last time I saw you. I came out a few times in 99 when he raced the open class. Yeah. Um, I, I made all but one of the open or all but one of the races that year. And yeah. Mark Keene was his 250 mechanic and I was the open mechanic. And um, uh, in 99, I had some personal issues and couldn't travel. Yeah. Or, I mean, in 2000. And uh, that's when uh, I only went to the one round at Astabula. Yeah. 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 That was a, that was epic. I actually, I was looking through some old stuff and I found this photo when, when, uh, when Travis it's, uh, it's victory lane at John Pellin and mine's, uh, Orville national when Travis, Travis won it. That was the, I believe that's the year he won the title. And, uh, it's, it's one of my fondest memories because him and Turner were super happy. Like they were super stoked, you know, it was cool. That that's pretty amazing stuff, man. Uh, yeah. I know how hard we all worked, even though we weren't all there. Um, but that 2000 year was just a ton of work for our shop. Um, I know that Roll was hu- hugely invested. Uh, Mike Halleck from Axis, uh, you know, Paul. I mean, everybody was everybody was working super hard to make it happen, and uh, it, it was a it wasn't as memorable for me and enjoyable for me because I had so many behind the scenes, behind the scenes things going on, but, um, it, it, it's still amazing. And I still love to look at the pictures and, and 
And uh, I talk to Paul every once in a while. Um, yeah. I know we're getting off track of you, but uh, yeah, that's all right. Paul works with a young man that rides in the World Off-Road Championship Series, works, and Paul's his mechanic, builds his bikes and helps him with them. And Paul's in New Jersey and, and they live in Arizona. So it's a long distance relationship. But uh, I, when Paul's not there, I get the call to uh, help out. And I really, I really think a lot of Paul and the fact that he'd even call me to have me help one of his guys. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I, they, you know, he was the man behind the man. Right. So, you know, Travis was unstoppable that year and, uh, and, but really Paul was the motivator, right? Like, uh, and he was probably more excited than any fans, you know, uh, every time they did anything, I think, you know, that I re I'll remember that race forever because, you know, Spader pretty much destroyed everybody at that one. And, uh, and, you know, Paul ran out on the track and I think he rode the victory lap on the back of Travis's bike. So it was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's fun memory. I thought I'd share that photo with you. That's awesome. there. You, you but, should uh, send me a copy of that. I will. I will. Helen has it. I think Helen actually took the photo if I remember. Well, that's, that's awesome. We'll uh, find out and we'll make sure to give the proper photo credits. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, Anyways. so let me ask you some questions here or a question here. You got started in ATVs. How? Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, September of 1985, I went to a local fair and uh, you know, I had some mini bikes and my mom and dad were there and they had the 230 Suzuki quad sport and, uh, it was a 1986. And, uh, my parents surprised me a couple weeks later as that for my birthday present. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, me and a bunch of my buddies on three wheelers and four wheelers, you know, we spent all the time driving all over illegally riding on the roads, riding trails. And, uh, and then I, I'll never forget, I went into a convenience store and there was this magazine there. Right. And, uh, immediately became a fan of the races. Right. And so I think my first three and four wheel action was like, you know, 1986. and so you know, Jimmy White and Marty Hart and Gary Denton. And, you know, that, that's what I wanted to do. Right. So, you know, but I was in my teens and, you know, it took a couple of years, but in 1990, I got a 250R and started racing locally, 250R TRX, four tracks. And, uh, a couple of years after that, I think it was, I think 90, I think 90 was the year they had the Deerfield national, uh, whatever year that was, that's the first time I went to the races and got everybody's autograph and, you know, that set me on the path. You know, I just love being at the track and, you know, hopefully this show isn't about my racing because it would be like a biography on a single A ball player that never made it past single A. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I sort of, had, you know, I, I enjoy racing. I actually still race today, believe it or not. I bought a, I still race TT. I bought a pros bike and 19, an ex pros bike. Brian Ace's bike in 1980 or nine, or I'm sorry, 2018 and been racing the senior class and upgraded to a CRF this past year. And, uh, man, we're getting full gates out there hitting 20 guys in the, in the 45 plus class and having a blast. And Steve Stroud shows up every once in a while, an old pro from the eighties. Wow. And, uh, so good times. I'm still racing. Uh, but I hope this show you know, focus, focus a little bit more on, you know, what I think my contribution to the sport is, 
And, you know, that would be what we did with, uh, with journalism and with promoting the sport and with promoting races. And so, uh, should be a cool conversation. I hope George, it's, it's your stage, man. So, (laughs) so we had a little bit of a conversation before and, and I want to know some of the behind the scenes stuff of how all that took place and, 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 how did you become a journalist? I mean, did you, is it something that you went to school for or is it just learned on the fly? So it's, you know, I, I went to college from 91 to 95 at Case Western Reserve, which is where Mosaic originated on Cleveland Freenet, which is the precursor to the World Wide Web. So believe it or not, I had free internet and pretty high speed internet way back in college. And, uh, you know, when other people were dialing into AOL and paying by the minute, you know, and so instead of studying, I spent a ton of time in the forums in AOL and there was a ATV forum and Bill Lamphere from four wheel action, three and four wheel action was there. And, uh, if I remember right, he gave me, he asked me to write my first story, which I wrote for three and four wheel action. And, uh, and you know, there was, I think originally there might only been 20 people in those chat rooms that they had in those forums, but you know, it, it grew into where myself and, and, and that's how I met John Pellin actually is, you know, he was on there too. And it turned out we lived like 20 minutes away from each other. Right. So it's like this sort of weird fan relationship, you know, that spawned on the internet. Uh, and, uh, you know, and him and I became good friends and, you know, right away, we started doing race reports on AOL uh, for, you know, the Nationals because we were going to the Nationals. And so, uh, you know, that parlayed into ATV Connection, which was the big uh, website out there. They ended up uh, having John and I write articles. And, you know, a lot of it was pro bono, but some of it had some little checks. And, and it had some cool side benefits, like, you know, getting to go to the manufacturer's intro is pretty cool. You know, being probably the first guy outside of the test riders to ride the 400EX was pretty sweet out at Pismo. Um, uh, rode the Suzuki King Quad in the, some national forest in, you know, in California. So, you know, 20, you know, early 20s college kid getting flown all over the country to ride quads for free you know, with all the magazines sounded pretty cool. Right. And, uh, I had a lot of fond memories, you know, of, of those days I had a cover. I was on a cover of one of the three and four old actions, which I still, I actually still have it framed. I actually, I'll show you right here. That was me on the Suzuki King quad. So yeah. it's like one of my finest memories, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that's how it started. And, you know, uh, both John and I were, fairly well linguist, right? Like, you know, we could write and, uh, you know, ended up doing some stuff for cycle news, which paid pretty well on the, on the dirt bike side, you know, when they were doing the stadium races where they had the four stroke dirt bikes and the quads and the monster trucks, uh, man, you know, cycle news paid good. I could write, I'd write a little article for the, for the dirt bikes and pay all my expenses in my hotel. And then basically write the article for the quads for free. (laughs) (laughs) But, but anyway, so, you know, it was cool. You know, I was a B class rider riding four stroke B, but you know, for the pro motos, I was on the track taking photos and, you know, became friends with a lot of the pros. And, uh, you know, I feel 
I feel contributed myself, John Aarons, John Pellin, you know, we were the guys taking the photos and writing the stories back in the day that got into dirt wheels and three full action and ATV sports and, you know, all those magazines. So pretty cool stuff. That's pretty awesome. So, so your passion for the sport is what got you to become a journalist in the sport. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I actually remember there was a, and I'd have to talk to, I can't remember if it was AT, I can't remember what magazine it was, but they actually offered me a job. And I was like, man, that's all it pays. I'm like, geez. I'm like, cause I was in college, you know, and, and, you know, management, you know, operations, research management. And, you know, I was a senior and getting job offers and I was like, man, I'm going to take this ATV editor job. And I was like, geez, it don't pay shit. <laughs> and so, so that was sort of, you know, that's when I had like my first realization that, you know, maybe, maybe my, my calling wasn't going to be to be an ATV magazine writer, but, uh, uh, I did enjoy it. That's for sure. Well, from what I hear, it still doesn't pay very well. Probably not. Probably not. But it's fun, right? You get to ride four wheelers every day. Uh, you know what? I didn't go into the riding portion. I just went into the working on them and got to ride them every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, anyways. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But uh, but so you know, I've always been a businessman. I you know I own a home building and residential developing company and put in roads or residential and commercial and industrial and. And so I always had a business mind, right? So it didn't take me long to realize, man, we could do this ourselves. And so John and I uh, started ATV Scene, right? And we sort of skedaddled away from ATV Connection. And he was a little, Dave Beckstrom was a little upset, but, uh, uh, but you know, we just felt like we could do it better. And, uh, and, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but, I think we did do it better on the performance, you know, on the, maybe not on the utility side, but we did it better on the sports side and on the racing side. And, and that sort of set us on the path. Right. And, uh, you know, um, right after that, you know, back, you know, and you, you guys were racing the nationals back then. So, you know, racing the GNCs in the late nine, mid to late nineties, you know, you'd come to a track, there might be five spectators there. Right. And, you know, the only people at the race were the, were the racers and, the, and their families. Right. And, uh, and John and I, we'd, we'd be driving home from the race and we'd be bitching saying, man, they, they blow it. They didn't, you know, we're at the local hotel. Nobody even knows that there's a race in town and, you know, and, and, uh, and when I look back at it, I don't fault the promoters because, the, the numbers were real low back then. Right. And, uh, and it was tight and, you know, cause I've, I've promoted races, I know what you make or what you could make. And so I don't fault them, but, uh, you know, we just wanted to take it to the next level. Right. So we started that company fast track promotions. And, uh, this is a good story. Um, cause we basically scammed the AM, scammed the AMA into giving us the national, right. Cause we had no experience, you know, John and I had never promoted an ATV race. And, uh, it was funny because I'm like, man, how can we do this? How can we do this? And John and I were good friends with Bud Fisher. And, uh, so I, I'll never forget. We go to see Bud and his dad, old man, you know, wild man Fisher. And, and we convinced them to be the front for our national. So, <laughs> so our first TT national to get on the schedule, we were fish, we were Fisher, Fisher promoted. Uh, and then we sort of, 
like, you know, real quickly, once, once things got rolling, we said, Oh no, 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 no. We're starting a different entity for that race. It's fast track promotions. And so, so, uh, you know, John and I never would have been able to do those races if it wasn't for, uh, you know, Bud, Bud and his dad taking the flyer on us and, uh, you know, sort of participating in our ruse to, uh, to get the AMA to give us the national. <laughs> the AMA figure it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did not till after the race and we did good. Right. You know? Um, and so, you know, I think they just, I, I remember I, I, I did get one comment, you know, about it, but, uh, you know, if we would have failed, it would have been, uh, an epic disaster and it, it would have reflected badly on the fishers. Right. And probably on the whole series, but you know, I was always real confident and so was John and, you know, we just, you know, you take no for an answer. You never get yes. Right. And so I right. just figured out a way to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what you have to do. Right. Right. And, uh, the, the whole ATV world or the whole world itself is full of failures. That's how you learned how to succeed. Yeah. My cat's getting over. She wants to be in the, in the episode okay. here. <laughs> Mine's up uh, near the room. So it doesn't come in here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might have to do that if she doesn't leave me alone, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, so that's how it, it sort of started. And I guess, you know, if you, if you wanted to see, you know, what maybe John and mine's impact would be on the sport, I think, you know, the, the promotion that we did through ATV scene, but then also, you know, sort of what we did at the nationals, you know, cause that, that first year we had it at Deerfield Speedway, um, which was local to us and, and, uh, they had had a national before. So we, uh, we were pretty confident that, that we could make it work. Right. And, uh, um, you know, we worked our asses off, right. Cause the, the track owner sort of let us down. We knew we needed more parking. He didn't put it until late. Uh, but, uh, you know, our whole, our whole thought was, is, is that, Hey, this ATV sport is cool and people would pay to watch it. And, uh, so John and I concocted this, this idea that, you know, if we just, if we just said, Hey, we're having an ATV race, there's not enough people that would know what it is, but if we could find a spectator draw that would bring local people in, that it would work. So our first idea, we, we brought in the jet quad, which Mike West and a formal four wheel racer, I put a jet engine on a, on a Suzuki 500. Right. And, uh, and it worked, it worked way better than we thought it would. It worked so good that, you know, we had no place to park the spectators <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll never forget, you know, we're trying to run this race and, and, uh, you know, the track owners on my headset saying, Oh, the police are here. The police are here. There's, 70 or 80 cars parked all up and down the street and they're going to start moving people. And there's a line of people going around the square. And, you know, we probably would have had 10,000 people at that race, but we only had parking for maybe 2000. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, uh, so that was interesting. We learned a lot that first year though, because, uh, we learned the importance of your support staff and, you know, and that's when we started to really rely heavily on the Fisher cycle track staff to come, you know, from Pine Lake, they came in and did our next two races. Um, but, uh, that first year was, it was pretty cool. You know, we, we made some mistakes. We had a dust problem, you know, and, you know, as a racer, I was used to bitch when the promoter had dust and man, we did everything we could, but we still had dust. <laughs> well, well 
this is my problem and you can explain it to me. I do not believe that the promoters or the motocross nationals or the woods nationals, um, uh, Randy, I love you. I know you're probably going to hear this for works. They don't promote for the spectators. They do not do anything to draw spectators in. And I think that is a huge, huge reason why the ATV industry is suffering. 100% agree. 100% agree. And I even see it today. You know, I'm, I'm racing uh, the NEEDT. And, and I'll say this, Sean Robinson is the man that restored TT racing. You know, it was, there was nobody going to a TP race. And Sean and the NEETT guys, you know, man, there's more people at a TT race a lot of times, I think, than a GNC motocross. Um, so they've done a great job. The, 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 you know, there's a ton of entries. But, you know, it's a lot of work to bring spectators in, Lenny. I got to tell you, like John and I really underestimated it that first year. Um, you know, but it, is, getting, okay, it may be a lot of work, but isn't the money worth it? Not the first year. Right. So our, our problem the first year was we we couldn't we couldn't get the spectators in the door. Right. But uh, we realized real quickly we needed to be at a car facility, a car track with big grandstands. Right. And that's why the next two years we went to Orville, Wayne County Speedway. And uh place had enough parking. It had spectator seating for I think it was seven thousand people. And uh and and you know, so that first year was the learning experience. We knew how to draw people in. Quite frankly, I think even still today, just saying you're having an ATV race is not gonna draw people in. You gotta have some sort of a spectator draw, right? Matt kangaroo kid you know, Coulter, he was our draw, right. On the, on the next two years. And, uh, you know, the only guy that I think right now is really working to bring spectators is the guy at Briarcliff. You know, he, he had his, uh, GNC, GNC motocross national last fall. And, you know, I didn't get to go cause there was a TT race, but everybody said there were spectators everywhere. And, uh, I haven't talked to him, but, but I'm not sure what his angle was, but, but he got the draw. He got the people out there and I know he advertised a ton down there. Um, so, uh, but I, but I truly believe you, you got to have something, some sort of a gimmick to bring the people in, right? Like when we were doing the kangaroo kid breaking the world record jump, you know, man, people, people came out to see that. And then, and then they're exposed to ATV race. And it's like, wow, this is exciting. Right. And, uh, uh, and so that's how I, that's how I think you, you build this sport, right? You know, you can build it on the backs of the amateur racer and, you know, and the promoters make money off the, off the gate for the racers and their family, or you can take a little bit of a risk and try to build the sport off the spectator gate. Yeah. I have some ideas, um, but I don't want to be a promoter. No. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, it's difficult. I want to do something with promotion, but promoting it in a different way, um, you know, have ideas, uh, you know, I think that it would work if you have the right people, uh, you need a little bit bigger budget than I have uh, at the moment, but uh, I think that's amazing. And, and you guys did it, but what happened to sustaining it? So, uh, and, you know, and so did it roll over into the motocross? Yeah. You know, so the, the thing was, is it's risky, right. You know, and, uh, uh, and, you know, in 2000, I stepped back from the sport, you know, I was in my late twenties and I was like, man, you know, 
I got to, you know, I got to make a living and concentrate on my business. So I left and, you know, and John soldiered on for a number of years, but, uh, uh, you know, as disappointing as it is to say, uh, it was, we did it trying to, you know, trying to either take over the whole series, which, you know, that was just way too much effort, but hoping to try to get everybody else to do the same thing. But, you know, you got to look at it from a business perspective. If you're a promoter and, you know, you're not getting rich promoting an ATV race and, uh, and, you know, but you're, but you're making a living and no one can work for free. And you say, Hey, we want you to double down and risk it all. Right. And potentially lose a huge amount of money. Uh, on the hope that you can make a lot more. It takes an enthusiast, right? Because that it was a big risk quotient, right? You know, and everything I do, I'm always weighing the risk reward, right? And uh, if John and I weren't enthusiasts, it wouldn't have made sense to take that risk, right? And uh, um, so, you know, I don't fault the promoters, but, you know, you need another WPSA, right? Uh, uh, an organization that's going to go out and buy TV time and use the use the TV time to get big sponsors and then use that to advertise, right? That's that's the way to, to really revolutionize the sport, in my opinion. Well, you're not going to get TV because you're not going to get anybody that's going to go into corporate America and corporate America is not going to take a chance on us because they don't see they're not enthusiasts and they don't see the goal like we do. We don't see the they don't see the goal. OK, the most amazing environment that you can watch it, an ATV is in a night TT race yeah. on a tacky, tacky track with a blue groove when there's no dust. So it's, yeah. it's, it's moist and it, and it, and, and they're just going so fast and it's poetry in motion and the, the lights are glistening off the machine, yeah. the chrome and the, and the new decals on the fenders and, and they just, they're in their environment. They're doing things that, you, you know, most people have never seen an ATV do. If you go to watch the motocross nationals of today, um, they're, they're pretty awesome. They're, they're kind of like going to a motocross national for the bikes. You know, they're doing big jumps. They're, they're pretty spectacular. Uh, there's not enough on the gate to keep the track full all the time, but, um, you know, you need to up it from 20 to, to, to 30 or 40, um, you know, to where you're, you're maybe having a double gate start or something like that to where uh, you, you get more machines on the, on the, on the track at one time, which more spectators are going to enjoy. Uh, the woods is not a spectator sport, but they get a massive amount of people out there that love it. You know, they wall around in the dirt and enjoy it. So you're getting into something else that's interesting. You know, like when you, when you go to a pro bike, motocross national there's not 40 amateur classes either right and so you know you can't you can't make a direct comparison from atvs to bikes because because the way the atv series works it's also the loretta lynn's amateur motocross combined with the pro motocross right and um so there's there's a trade-off there and then john and i struggled with it right you know when we were when we were having matt coulter and he's doing those jumps and you know, and we're making classes wait because, you know, we had TV there and, you know, and you got parents of kids coming up threatening you because, you know, they feel like, you know, that that kids race is more important than the spectator draw. Right. 
it's tough, right? And so, you know, if you if you know if if you want to make pro ATV racing a spectator sport, the 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 amateur racer and the amateur family has to recognize, hey, we're we're we have to give a little. You know what I'm saying? And and um, because it's a trade off. You know what I mean? It's it's oh, definitely yeah. a trade off. Well, nobody right now, nobody, nobody respects the climb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have to start at the bottom in the peewees and work your way into the C class, then work your way into the B class, then get yourself into the A class, and then become a pro. And when you're the pro, you're the reason why everybody's there to watch you. No offense, young Johnny. I'm sorry that 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 I'm brutal in, in saying that, but no, the, the if ten thousand people show up, they're not there to watch the Pee Wee class, right. right? And so, and John and I struggle with that, you know. Like there is, like being a promoter sucks, you know. And I, you know, when I'm racing now, and you know, uh, I always I always compliment the referee because they always got hard decisions to make, right? And I compliment the promoter because. It, you, you can't make everybody happy. Right. But, you know, if, if for me, if you're looking at the good of the sport and, and making it so the Chad Weenins and, you know, the, uh, you know, all the, all the pros can make a living and there can be a goal for that amateur racer, right. Where he can actually make a living instead of hate a race. You, you, you need to focus, you got to focus on the spectator. Right. And, uh, um, there's, I mean, I still have a lot of ideas, John and I, you know, it's 25th anniversary of ATV scene this year from when John and I started it. And well, congratulations. You no, know, we're, 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 yeah, we're still thinking, you know, and, and, and ATV scene sort of piddled away because the websites don't really have any bearing anymore. It's all podcasts and social media, but, but, you know, we were talking about doing a big, big purse race and I don't know if it'll be this year, but you know, you might, you might see John and I come out of come out of retirement to do something really special. Uh, again, I can't promise it, but it's possible. Um, but you know, the whole, I think I told you earlier, Lenny, the whole, the whole reason I'm on here, you know, is to hopefully, you know, hopefully there's some younger guy that's, that's excited and loves the sport and, you know, and is, and is willing to take that flyer and, you know, and, and try to, try to be it back. And that the gentleman that owns Briarcliff, I think he's doing it right. Um, and I'm going to go to the motocross national at Briarcliff this year because, um, he's, uh, he's an enthusiast and, and he wants to bring the spectators. And so I'm, I'm excited to go to that race and, and, and see what he's all about. And I, I hope, I hope it continues to happen because like, I mean, it, it was there, there, it's out there, right? Like, I mean, if we can bring, uh, you know, we had full stands at Orville. I think that stadium, I think those stands held 7,000 or something. If we can bring full stands to Orville, which is in the middle of nowhere, central Ohio, to see an Australian guy try to break a world record quad jump, then I think it can be done anywhere. <laughs> well, right? what about this? Why not have a true <laughs> national series? Yeah. Okay. Two TT races, two motocross races to cross country races, to desert races, to off-road races. I love that idea. I don't know if we'll see it happen, but I think it would be great. That, that's how you crown a true national yeah. champion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I love that idea. You know, on the, 
on the, you know, like if, if I ever do do this, another race, my, my whole goal is to bring all the pro TT racers there because you know, the, the, the TT racing has, has sort of splintered, you know, you have the Midwest series. Now you have Daryl Rath's, you know, United series, which is sort of upper Midwest. And then you have the NEDT, which is like Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, and then all the mid South. And then, uh, uh, you know, I've heard there's some other fast guys. And so like my whole thought process is if I, if I do get, if I do get the gumption to do it again, I want to get them all on one track and see really who is, who is the fastest TT guy on the planet. Right. And, uh, I just think that would be super exciting. And, uh, um, I don't know. I'm trying to see if I can get geared up to do it or not. <laughs> I think, that, I think that that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, if you could, and, and this, anybody that's listening to this show, if you are a professional TT racer and you're not reaching out to come and talk about your sport on ATV talk, you are failing yourself. This is free publicity for your sport and self-promotion is everything. And TT riders are no different than motocross riders and cross country riders and off-road racers. They do not reach out. I can't find everybody. Sometimes people have to find me. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I'm, you know what it's like. You, you, you were involved in a website, you were doing stories and you were hunting content and I am reaching out to people all the time to self-promote and the people that are on the show are the ones that want to self-promote the ones that aren't on the show are the ones that are listening to the show going, gosh, I, you know, I don't know if I really want to do that or maybe I do, or I'd really like to, but you know, yeah, yeah. the emails there, the phone numbers posted. I mean, uh, you know, the struggles that I go through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, so, so that's what I call the entertainer, right? Like, uh, you know, a professional ATV racer is really an entertainer, right? Yep. And, uh, he's gotta, he's gotta promote himself, promote his brand. You know, like there's guys over the years that stand out to me that were awesome at that. And then there's other guys that could have been awesome at it, but just, uh, whether they, uh, didn't like to, or were afraid or, or were nervous, they weren't, but, uh, but quite honestly, you know, ATV racing is entertainment. You know, if you if you if you want to make a living off the entertainment, you know, you you got to provide something that is watchable. And uh, you know, you know, uh, like like it reminds me of Travis Bader that when he won that that Orville race, like he was truly excited and uh, and uh, you know, and he did the interviews and did the trophy girl photos and told the story and, you know, and so like, uh, man, I, I just I like ATV race is exciting to watch, right? It's more exciting watching a dirt bike. Cause man, you got, you got a four by four quad at home and you see some guy jump in a, a quad hundred feet. You got mad respect for that. Right. And, uh, so it, it's, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the decision. Is this a amateur sport, a hobby or is it a professional entertainment or is it a hybrid? Right. So what John and I did is we did the hybrid, right. You know, we, 
we, you know, like, I don't know if, if anyone realizes this or knows this, but when we did Orville in 1999, that was the first short track national championship. We can, we convinced the AMA to do an oval title. Right. And that still goes on today with any ETV and Midwest TT. Um, but, uh, you know, we were trying to, to still give new opportunities for the amateurs, but then, you know, really trying to drive the spectator gate and, uh, and so that, that, you know, it's, that's a, that's a tough decision. You know, if I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't fault any promoter for not doing it because it's risky. Right. But uh, that's why John and I did it. We just wanted to prove that if you, if you set out to do it, you could, cause everybody said, Oh, you'll never get anybody to come watch an ATV race. Right. And, uh, and we did. <laughs> well, I was in France uh, at Pontevoux and there were 25,000 yeah. people there. So for an ATV race. So don't tell me you're not going to get people to come out. And they didn't have a draw. They had an ATV race. And that's, that's even more impressive, quite honestly. And, uh, and you know, and, and I, I believe, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just speaking hypothetically here cause I wasn't there, but I think, uh, the guy that promoted Briarcliff, I don't, I don't think he had a draw either. I think he just marketed the hell out of it, you know, and spent, spent the money, took the risk. He was an enthusiast to prove that it could be done. And I can't wait to go to that race. I got it on my calendar this year uh, because I think that's going to be epic. I think that if you take and format your pro deal where you run a 450 pro class and you ran a true 250 pro class, you won a women's pro class, and then you bring back that pro stock class, you run those four pro races on, uh, you can run them all on Saturday. Yeah. And that's your pro event for your advertising. You're going to run a few amateur races or a few amateur qualifiers, maybe in between some of the motos to give the pros the time they need to get ready for their second moto. Some of the pros are going to run, um, maybe you're going to got a, you got a pro guy that's running the 250 pro class and then running the pro stock, or you got a guy running the 450 and the pro stock, uh, you know, and then you got a crazy pro that'll run all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. So y- you, you got to space the whole day out, but you could promote it. And these professional racers, um, will put on a show. Oh yeah. Especially if you have a check waiting for them at the end they're yeah. going to perform, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing that John and I did back. I mean, this was God, how many years ago? Not 2000. So what is that's 22 years ago. We paid 10 grand. That was our purse. And, uh, I mean, if you took inflation, I would imagine that's, I'm speaking out of turn here, but it would probably be 25 grand today. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and still, you know, I think I don't, the purse is minimal. Right. It, it never, it never really has increased. So, you know, those guys are working a lot <laughs> decreased. Yeah. Which is terrible. But, uh, you know, that's, that's that whole, is it a, is it a pro entertainment or is it an amateur hobby? Right. Pro race. You better start paying these guys because they're risking life and limb to provide your entertainment. And, yep. um, you know, I, I'm a huge backer of the factories, but I'm also pissed at them still because the last time they came in 
they, well, not the last time, most every time they came in, they hurt the sport. Yeah. That yes, there was growth, but all the guys that carried it for all those years didn't get the growth. Right. Right. Yep. They, they, they use their, their motorcycle engine builders or right. Is that what you're referring to? That and, and they use people outside the industry yep. and no, you, if, if the factories really were about growing the sport, they would have taken these companies that, that carried the sport for so long and they would have nurtured us and used our ideas to build their machines and to develop the machines so that the industry would still be going now instead of them flying in, spending a bunch of money, disrupting everybody and then leaving, you know, I mean, I'm with you on that for sure. I'm with you on that. And, and that was unfortunate and, uh, it's happened. You know, but you're dealing with corporate America, right. You know, so like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's that risk reward quotient, right. You know, you're some middle manager that's responsible for a racing program. And, you know, if you go with the people that, you know, from motorcycles or whatever other things you're doing, and it fails. Hey, well, you you played by the rule book, right? But if they take a flyer and you know, well, we've never worked with Duncan Racing, and we're going to work with them. That that employee of that big company, he's not looking at the upside. He's like, man, if that blows up, it's my job, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, if it blows up with the company they've worked for for years, it's not his job. So that's the unfortunate thing, right? Yeah, because they do no research. Right. Exactly. You know, nobody does any research. You know, they yep. sit on their ass and they just freaking write checks. And oh yeah, I know that guy. Let's do yeah, yeah, we'll do him. And 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 instead of really looking into what the enthusiast in the ATV race here, not racing, but the ATV enthusiast is just it's a different breed. I mean, you you are one, and you know what I'm talking about. We we live. We bleed. We everything in our life is ATV. Um, my wife didn't even know what an ATV was when she met me. Uh, you know, other than a four wheel drive that you drove around over here or over there. And, yeah, yeah. And, and now she's been to ATV races, and she 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 supports the podcast, and she sees me working on building machines in the garage late at night or early in the morning, and shakes her head because she still doesn't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you a funny story along that lines. Uh, so, you know, I recently got divorced and dating a new, a new lady, her name's Ernesta. And, uh, so, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm racing these ATV nationals. Yeah. I'm 48 years old, but I'm trying to win a stupid national championship. And, uh, <laughs> do you want to come to the first race? And so, you know, we take my truck and my trailer down there and we go to the TT at black ankle and, and, you know, she sees all these motor homes, everybody's camping out. And, and I'm like, all right, let's go to the hotel. She's like, why aren't we camping here? This is cool. And I'm like, what? Because every other lady I'd ever been to had, had, had no interest in sitting in the dirt pit. Right. And so I'm like, you like this? And so I'm like, well, let's rent a motor home for the next two races. And if we really like it, we're going to buy one. <laughs> and so, and so like, for her, she's like, like, I see her as a real fan. And, and the story I was going to tell is, so Brad Wiley is the man in TT, right? He's always, he's number one all the time. So she had never met him. She always referred to him the whole year as the number one. 
Oh, the number one. And she would, every time he was on the track, she'd go up and watch him. And then the, the last race, I actually know Brad because his, his, uh, his son, uh, stepson loves to hunt. And so I've hunted with him. And, uh, and so Brad ended up at our campfire after the race. And, uh, so we're sitting there having some beers and stuff and telling stories. And I lean over to her and I'm like, that's the number one. And she literally had a heart attack, right? She's like, Oh my God, I had to get a photo and all that. And so like, so it was pretty cool. So I am, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot this time because, uh, you know, I, there, there is fans, right. And I, I feel like if we could get spectators out of there, it could probably be 50,000 or Nesta's out there. Right. And, uh, it would be, it would be. and, and, you know what? There's there's a big portion of the reason she's a fan is because you're still a fan. Yeah. Even though sure. you're doing it, you're still a fan. And and you know, I get guys on here that ride for different people and and do different things and maybe they're competitors, maybe they're not. The best thing that I love to tell them is is I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm not I, competitors. I, I'm not your competitor. I'm your fan. Because yeah. My guy might be in eighth place. My guy might be winning, but I'm still watching you. Yep. I'm still enjoying yep. the fact that that you're out there participating in the sport that I love so much. And when you do well, or when this happens or that happens, I'm watching all of these different formats and all of these different riders do these amazing things. And, you know, it's like the progression of the women's sport. If you watch them oh, yeah. and how fast they're going and the things that they're doing, unfortunately, None of the promoters are taking care of them. You know, I take that back. Randy at the World Off-Road Championship Series instituted a pro class. Um, we had a conversation with the, the pro gals on, on the podcast. And, you know, the idea sparked. And then they went and asked. And, yeah, they have a pro class now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, there's some fast ladies out there. I uh, uh, There's a local young girl. Morgan Johnson that races GNCC. Right. And so like last summer I bought a T uh, GNCC bike, you know, and I've been riding some local T or local cross countries and I'm going to do some of the GNCCs this spring. And, and, uh, man, she's fast, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, 17 year old girl, like kicking guys asses, you know, winning, winning the am, you know, winning the non-pro overall at, at regional races. And I'm actually supporting her this year. And uh, and helping her, but uh, there's a lot of fast women out there. I see it in the TT track too. You know, sometimes you gotta swallow your pride when you get passed by one of them. But uh, <laughs> but you know, there's uh, they're fast, and you know, I'm not. I don't really follow the motocross series that that well, but I know that they're gonna do. Uh, they're gonna have the women's class at at Daytona. I don't think for, so. uh, for the uh, first race this year. I don't think so. Oh, did they decide not to? Um, I don't a hundred percent know the truth. I seen a post from, um, Andrea Berger and okay. she's the woman's champ. And there was disappointment in the post. Didn't get into oh, details. I, I didn't have a chance to reach out and ask her yet what happened. Um, but yeah, there's, a, there's, I believe they, I believe they didn't do it. Oh, that stinks. I was looking forward to that. Cause, uh, I mean, it's exciting to watch. And, you know, some of the girls, you know, like you can't, you know, until you see their, their hair, you, they're, they're, they're going just as fast as the guys, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of them that are just scary fast. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to race with them. No. Yeah. I hear you. There's a, there, I, I can't remember her name, but you know, I raced a couple of these little local regional, uh, 
woods races this summer and you know she's in that women's class in gncc and she's smoking in the woods like man she's she's ripping so um it's cool and i think that's a that's a marketing thing that again the sport's missing right because uh it that that brings the the, the it, it excites 50 percent of the united states right like it's pretty much 50 50 male female right so you know that 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 the females they love the fact that those girls are are out there and the, and I think the guys respect it too. I think they do. Most of the fast professional women run in a men's class also. It's usually a B class, but they run with the men and I I always ask how are you treated you know mm-hmm. by the by the by the men that you beat or the boys that you meet. And they say they have no problem with it. We're just one of the racers. Yep. yep. That's how it is in the NEDT. You know, the, all the, all the ladies are racing, you know, some of them are racing pro lights, right. You know, and uh, they're, they're quick. So uh, that's cool to see, you know, and uh, you're right. They're missing out on that. And, you know, there's just so many, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I promised myself when I got back into racing in 2018, that I was just going to enjoy it. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard not to like dive back in and, and try to take it to the next level again. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I still remember back and I don't know if, if you were there that year, Lenny, or, if, or if Lauren was, but you know, when we, when we brought Matt Coulter out, you know, to, to break that record and, you know, we, we actually, we, we got paid by the TV show Guinness Book of World Records to have that on their show. And, you know, and they brought a full TV crew out like, man, it was they must have had 10 cameramen out there and, you know, a production truck. And I'll never forget, you know, John and I were like, we're like holy shit, this is big time. right? You know, and uh, and, uh, you know, they paid a considerable amount of money to uh, to do that jump. And, you know, unfortunately, probably one of the worst parts about being the promoter is, you know, Matt crashed and, uh, and man, I was, when he crashed, I, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to get up and, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, that's another great story. I don't, I don't know if John Pellin told it when he was there, but, you know, we had these headsets on and, 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 you know, I was up in the tower or something, but John was down where Matt was. And, I think right before the jump, Matt looked at John. He's like, tell my kids I love him. And John knew right then that Matt didn't think he was going to make it. Right. And, uh, but Matt jumped and, and I'll never forget. I think John was on the mic saying, we got to stop this. We got to stop it. <laughs> but you know, he went and man, he wadded it up. And there was a few minutes there where, you know, I thought that, man, I'm, I'm going to be the guy that, that killed the kangaroo kid. And, uh, but he got up. And, uh, and, you know, I think it was the highest watched show, if I remember right, that they had, that TV show had was that jump was watching that rate, that thing. And it was the centerpiece of that episode. So it was pretty cool. Bloodlust. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go back and listen to Matt's take on that jump. Oh yeah. Was it different? (laughs) uh, No, but, but he tells this whole story. What happened? Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and um, he tells the story about some other things that happened to him when he didn't follow his plan. And, uh, you know, and, and when you have a, when you have a format and it works, follow it. And every time he broke it, he got hurt. 
Yep. And what we learned that first year is, is, you know, we were trying to, we had to get a ton of speed to break the record. Right. And, you know, we're at a, we're at a, a high bank car dirt track oval and trying to get him to come up from the field into the stadium. And then our jump, you know, we used a, uh, a trailer, a flatbed trailer is the jump. Well, you know, a flatbed trailer is not flat. If you ever look at it, it has an arc to it. So I think that going down and then, and then, you know, he compressed the suspension. I, I don't know. Matt, Matt's interview probably told it better, but man, it, it, it was not pretty. And, you know, it was one of those moments that, you know, you, you really were concerned, but, uh, but the best story about that is, is that, you know, it was a long night every night when you're promoting the races. So I think it was like 2 AM or something. I'm coming back into the hotel and, and, uh, John and I always, always, uh, uh, took pride in the fact that it was important to have trophy girls, right? Cause when you win a race, you need trophy girls. Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, I come into the hotel and there's Matt in the, in the hot tub at 2 AM with all the trophy girls, you know, after he just wadded it up and broke his, I think he broke his shoulder or something. And he's like, Hey mate, you want to join me? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's the kangaroo kid right there. You know, you needed a photo and, of that. <laughs> oh, it was, it's still, I still, every time I talk to Matt on the internet or see a post of his, that memory flashes in my brain, you know, two memories, the one of him, crashing and then the one of him in the in the uh in the hot tub with him that was funny but uh, you know that brings up another thing you know i i you know like you know two of the you know like cindy and danielle that were our trophy girls for those years you know they elevated the sport there was a time where we had a a, a whole column that cindy was writing and uh, uh it was one of our most read columns you know so those were you know, that, that was, those were some ladies that, uh, you know, I think made a real positive impact on the sport, you know, like that photo I showed you Travis with, you know, the, the four trophy girls, like that's what it's about, right? It's not about a guy standing there, you know, with a, with a, with, with just a dirt background, right? Like that's exciting. If you're a young kid, you want to win this race and you want to be like Travis, right? (laughs) So, uh, but I can tell you a funny story with that too. So our, our first year at Deerfield, we, uh, you know, we, we hadn't connected with Danielle and, and, uh, Cindy yet. And, uh, so, uh, we ended up with a lady who actually was from the adult movie thing. And, and so it got a little, it got a little R rated on the, on the podiums. Right. And I was like, that cannot happen. <laughs> But uh, I think probably the racers enjoyed her a little better. She was she was pretty friendly on the podium. It was funny, but uh, so you know we learned some lessons that first year at at, uh, at Deerfield. But uh, luckily, you know we every year goes nobody years. went to jail, huh? No, 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 nobody did. But uh, but what it, happened it to Cindy fun. and Danielle? Uh, you know what? They, they, they're local Ohio. Uh, well, I think, I think Danielle is in Pennsylvania, but Cindy, I just saw her at a concert. I was, uh, uh, I think a year and a half ago, I was, I can't remember what band it was. I was at a concert venue and I knew I knew her and she knew she knew me. And, you know, eventually she's like, are you George? And I'm like, are you Cindy? And we said hi and she's married and, you know, works in the insurance industry. And, but, uh, anyways, we still stay connected with them. They, they, they helped a lot, you know, it, uh, 
And I think all that stuff's important, right? You know, again, it's that whole entertainment thing, right? And this aura of uh, what it is to be the the top pro, right? Well, when you get in, when you're in the ATV world, and maybe it's in other sports too, but I know in the ATV world, I have friends that I haven't talked to in 10, 15, 20 years. And the moment we start talking, it's like we were just hanging out yesterday. Yeah. 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 It's a, so a couple of funny things, you know, so, you know, we're, uh, John and John's trying to win that e-bike championship at the GNCC in the amateur class. And we're both going to ride the quad classes at the first four or five. So we took my motorhome down to Florida and, and, uh, immediately we hook up with banger, Mark Strongbanger, the old, you know, he used to be the GNCC announcer and we end up, we end up at his house camping out for a couple of days, telling stories. And then, and then next thing you know, we're talking to Tim Farr and my motorhome's in his driveway right now. And uh, he's taking delivery of all our parts for our next training session, which is coming up next week. But uh, uh, but it was cool. You know, it's just like no time passed. Right. You're you know, it's like instantly you're right back, you know, telling stories. And uh, that's that's something that, you know, I, I can truly say that some of the, the my longest friends are friends that I met ATV racing and you might not see him for a year or two, but when you do, it's like, it's like you never missed a moment. <laughs> it's, it's also the same bond between riders and mechanics that created something that for a brief moment in time, nobody else can match. Yep. You know, yep. you have, um, football players with teams that, that, that created or, or, uh, uh, other forms of racer mechanic relationships, you know? Um, so it, it's not unique to our industry, but it's, but it's pretty awesome that we, that we do it. And that, that's for the- sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, uh, you know, probably the, the funnest thing that I ever did at ATVs and was, uh, John and I, along with the Fishers, we did the legends 2000. And, uh, I still have that photo, but it's at my office. And, uh, you know, so we, we got, you know, like Steve Mendehall and Marty Hart, and Jimmy White. And of course he was on a, a, a roll KX 250. Right. And, uh, and we had, we had all the, the three wheeler guys and the four wheeler guys, you know, back in 2000 at Pine Lake and man, that was special because those were all my heroes when I was, when I was just reading the magazines and, and, uh, you know, to bring them back. And I think, you know, we did this big autograph session at, we had a band at night and, you know, to see all those lines of people sign, you know, getting autographs from them was probably one of the coolest things I did. I, uh, of the most, most proud, you know, that John and I did was, was that legends 2000 and I don't know, maybe we'll do 2025 or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's pretty awesome. Most of your legends are getting older, you know, Yeah, I've got to sit down with Marty and Jimmy and Mike Coe, um, Jim Babbitt from, from way back in, in the early seventies. Um, I've been in contact with Dean Sundahl. Mm-hmm. going to come and sit down with me and talk. Uh, you know, he's 63, 64, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. so none of it, none of the greats in the industry, the people, the pioneers are young, you know? Right. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I like your podcast so much is that, 
you know, there's a whole new generation of guys racing ATVs that, uh, that don't know those guys, right. Don't know what they accomplished. And, uh, you know, it's not to take anything away with the current pros, but, uh, you know, we're at that point where that first generation, those eighties and early nineties racers, you know, they're not going to be known by the guys racing these, the mini quads now, right. Unless folks like yourself have those stories memorialized. So, uh, I, you know, I think probably the most important thing is to talk to all those guys. right? <laughs> and, and, it, and it's hard to get some of them. Some of them won't talk. Uh, yeah. You know, I, Dean at first said no. And then I had a live event at, uh, my brother let me borrow his shop for a day and I totally converted the shop into a long, uh, indoor event you know, like a, like an auditorium and we had yeah. and, and, and everything and, and food and, uh, GPR was there and GBC was there. And, um, we had tents, easy ups out and it rained and the STG and E shut the power off. And, you know, just <laughs> we're there the night before setting up and doing all the, doing all the layout and testing our mics and, and, and just going through everything. And, power bus. Oh, you know, that's how we were testing our YouTube connection. That was how we, you know, so we didn't end up getting YouTube because we didn't have enough time to fix it. Um, uh, because the power came on at like seven 30, eight o'clock the next morning, which didn't give us enough time to, to finish. Yeah. Like, so our sound issues, we didn't get our sound issues fixed. Uh, but, but nevertheless, Dean Sundahl showed up. Mike Coe showed up. Uh, yeah. You know, young guys, Josh Rowe was there. Nice. Uh, Tim Neidhart was there and, and, um, uh, Doug Eichner was there and you have all of these local pros to us, these legends standing there and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what legends 2000 was for me, you know, is to be like, wow, they're all here and I'm in the picture with them. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was epic. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I still love the sport and I, I, you know, I, I, I just truly think that it, it could be so much more, right. It just, it just takes a, you know, like I, I think, you know, another thing that I always think's important is those guys that gave all, I didn't give all, you know, I, I gave a few years and then I did the safe thing and, you know, and, and, built, built a business outside of the sport. But I look at guys like, uh, like, uh, John Pellin, he's gave everything, right? Like he, he never, he never, he just does ATVs, right. Or Darren Nakarado, right. You know, like he, he, he's another one. And, um, you know, Byron Goggins for many, many years, man, he gave all. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad. There's not a ATV racing hall of fame, you know, cause, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that, you know, that somehow you need to preserve those stories. And I, and I think it's really cool and, and important that you're doing that. And, uh, that's another thing. Somebody needs to do the ATU racing hall of fame. That's like, that's something that needs to happen because <laughs> it can't be the AMA, right? Because the AMA it's, not, about it. it's not the AMA. Yeah. The AMA doesn't give a crap about ATVs, but also a lot of the series aren't AMA sanctioned. Right. So it's yeah, because the AMA doesn't care. Right. So, you know, it's gotta be outside the AMA, which 
you know, somebody that really loves the sport needs to spearhead that one. <laughs> Got to have money, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It always takes money. I guarantee, I guarantee if you had a building and like, if you had a, 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 a building that you could build it multi-level and you just started your, your older class guys and put their displays up. You, I probably wouldn't put machines in there, but their displays yeah. with their picture, maybe uh, you could do, you know, mannequin statues, whatever with, with them in there and, and just start doing display after display after display. Um, and, and just keep getting the older guys to provide you with jerseys and pictures and, and yeah. you know, come and, you know, sign a, a large life-size photo of themselves and, and things like that. Yeah, it would be great. But the cost of the building would be astronomical. Yeah, Couldn't do it. Yeah, you'd have to, that's where you need the factories, right? You know, to, to sponsor that and, you know. I don't know. I don't know when or if that'll happen again. Uh, I can tell you though that I love that CRF, right? You know, electric start, super lightweight, way more reliable than a than a TRX. You don't have to build it as fast. And man, it'd be nice to see Honda and Yamaha and a couple others back in it. But I I don't know when or if that'll happen. But I'll keep my fingers crossed. I don't think Honda will come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed. Um, but there's there's rumors swirling around with the Honda stuff that could be fake. Um, yeah, people chattering. Um, as much as I'm not a Orange fan, they have three models under their tent, and they could have three quads sitting there, even though they're all identical. You know, people, yeah. one person's going to buy the red one, one person's going to buy the white one, and one person's going to buy the orange one. And yeah. if you go to the starting line and there's there's blue, red, white, and orange, doesn't matter. The three of them are identical. There's yeah. still four manufacturers there. Yep. And it, it it's eating it's changing the landscape so that the sport can grow. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was with when I was with Tim Farr, he was telling me a story of, you know, he had been testing the next generation of that KTM quad before they pulled out. And it would have been cool, you know, from what he told me about it a couple of weeks ago when we were in Florida. And, uh, you know, I think it was just victim of the times, you know, and, but, uh, but I mean, it's a great, it's a great industry. I think the, I think the side-by-side fad is going to run its course eventually. And, you know, I, I gotta believe that, you know, you keep Yamaha in it and, you know, if one other factory comes back, that would be great. You know, we'll we'll see. It's going to happen. George, I'd really like to extend the invitation to you to have you come back. Because I think that we've only touched a tip of the iceberg with the information that you and I can talk about and the conversations that we had. We didn't even dive deep into some of the ATV scene stuff. We just we didn't even touch it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have to have a second go around here. Um, yeah. What we'll do is we'll we'll schedule that at, after this and and uh, and get you back on because. There's so much more information you have and so many more stories that you have that I think that are super valuable. People need to hear them. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool if, if we could get John Aarons and John Pellin maybe on that same episode, because I was uh, already thinking about we have that. so many of the same stories and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of knowledge, you know, the, you know, you just, you want to keep that knowledge going and, you know, I'm, uh, 
I can't wait to see you and Lauren, you know, make sure you tell Lauren, I said, hi, I, uh, I, you know, it's been, been probably a decade or two since I seen him, but, uh, I, uh, really enjoyed tonight and, uh, man, I'd love to come back and I'll try to get some of these other guys. You know, I'm going to see Donnie Banks in a couple of weeks down at his shop in Georgia. He's letting us keep our motor home there. So I'll be on his ass to get on here. He'd be a great one. He's a good talker. I've been, t- I've texted message back and forth with him a few times. I don't yeah. think he knows what it is, so he's avoiding it. Okay. Well, John and I, will we'll, we'll get him over that hump. <laughs> Mendenhall, uh, I've been reached out to him. His business keeps him pretty occupied, so it's yeah. tough for him to, to sit down and talk with me. But, you know, uh, I'm busy too. It only takes an hour. Right. No, no, sure does. Well, well it doesn't take an hour because you and I have been talking almost two hours. Yeah, because I, I think, yeah, because we, we started talking first off the record, then we never turned the recorder on. <laughs> right. Well, some of the things we talked about were off the record, so. True, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, Lenny, I really appreciate what you're doing for the sport and let, you know, let me know what I can do to help you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.